And as we are making our way through the book of Acts, if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, beginning with verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. So the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing. And the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went into Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we have read your word and we have seen the power of the gospel portrayed in this passage, so I pray that this powerful gospel would have its full effect in each of our hearts this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentiles. Do you believe this? This is what the Bible says. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. I believe that what the Apostle Paul is saying there is that the gospel is the most powerful force in all the world. It is more powerful than an Airbus A380 jumbo jet, if you happen to see the video from earlier this week, as it tossed around that small little Delta commuter commuter plane. I believe that the gospel is more powerful than an Abrams tank. I believe it is more powerful even than an atomic bomb. In fact, I believe that the gospel is more powerful than the combined might of might and power of men and nature. Because the gospel is the power of God Almighty. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. And in case you didn't get it the first two times, the gospel is the power of Almighty God. 
this gospel, which we celebrate on Sundays with our polite and our simple worship, is able to change individuals' entire destinies. It is able to change the entire destinies of kings and presidents. It is able to to change the eternal destinies of nations and of cultures. I need not tell you that we live in momentous times. The Middle East is on fire. We are involved right now as a nation in three wars. We have lived through one of the greatest uh, economic downturns that the world has ever experienced. Our elected representatives of both parties have been and are continuing to be irresponsible with our national debt. Our stability as a nation and as a culture is hanging by a thread. We are teetering on disaster Today's news that we are living is our children's and our children's children's future. But in spite of all this, the gospel will never, never, never lose its power. The fact that the gospel is here in the world... And that it is the power of God is more important than any headline that we could read about today or ever. It's tempting to think that the, pow- that the gospel has lost its power because our country is so opposed to the gospel. But that's not the problem. The gospel has always faced opposition. The opposition to the gospel is to be expected Look at our text. Look at verse 45. In verse 45, But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. Also, look down at verse 50. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. We see two things happening here. First of all, we see that the gospel is facing opposition. But at the very same moment, we see that the gospel moves forward in the face of opposition. I don't want to focus on the nature of the opposition this morning. Basically, it was motivated by jealousy, and it evidenced itself in hatred and in reviling Paul and Barnabas as they preached. But what I want to focus on this morning is the attitude of Paul and Barnabas in the face of this opposition. So I'm basically going to all but ignore the opposition itself that Paul and Barnabas uh, faced and look at how at what they did in, in the face of this opposition um, in fact I've already alluded to their um, to what they did they basically ignored the opposition they simply ignored the opposition and kept moving on this is important I want you to see this They were undeterred by opposition to the gospel because the gospel is relentless. 
the power of the gospel cannot be stymied or hindered by the hatred of men. The power of of the gospel, in fact, wades out into the opposition, into the hatred, into the persecution. And the gospel keeps moving. Um, Look at verse 46. Verse 46 in our text says, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. So here, Paul and Barnabas, and they're preaching the gospel. The whole city has turned out to hear them. The Jews are out in the crowd, stirring up the people, and they're yelling out um, uh, opposition to Paul and Barnabas. And as they're yelling out this opposition, Paul and Barnabas simply ignore them. Okay, if you're not feeling yourselves worthy to receive this eternal life, there are Gentiles here and we are now turning to them. See that? They faced the opposition. They basically ignored it and kept moving. The gospel is relentless. You reject it here. And the gospel keeps moving and going goes somewhere else. But the important thing to see is that the gospel keeps moving. We see the same pattern in verse 51. Look at verse 51. Paul and Barnabas, after they had faced the opposition, after the, the leading uh, Jewish ladies and, um, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against them, they simply shook the dust off their feet, verse 51, uh, and they went to the next city, the city of Iconium. What I saw here as I was looking at this passage is what I'm calling a universal principle. In other words, I think this is the way God works. This is the way He worked in apostolic times when they faced opposition. They simply kept moving just like water coming down a hill. It it faces a rock and it just goes around the rock and it keeps flowing downhill. And God continues to work the same way today. And and like I said, I did a lot of thinking about this during the week after I noticed this pattern. And I think there's probably a lot more thinking to be done uh, in regard to this pattern. But here's some of the things that I thought about this week. First, as I've already said, the gospel is always on the move. It's never static. If we're static, if we're not growing, if we're not moving with the gospel then by definition, we are out of step with the gospel. If the gospel's moving and we're not moving, we by definition are out of step with the gospel. Or to put it another way, we cannot sit around and expect that God is going to bring the power of the gospel to us. Rather, we have to go out with the gospel and we have to join with God where He is working. And we go out one place and we receive opposition, so we go out somewhere else. But we cannot sit still and stay in step with the gospel. Because the gospel is always moving. So you ask, well, where is God moving? Where is He moving in regard to the power of the gospel here in our community? Well, I think locally He's working through the ministry of Cynthia Pinckney Ministries. Um, in my small um, 
knowledge of, of where I see God working. I see Him working there. I see many people coming to Christ. And she needs volunteers to help her uh, shoulder the, the load, to share in the work. I think locally he is also working powerfully through Life Care of Brandon. That's our local pregnancy care center. They are leading whole families to Christ. And now they need people to mentor these families who have come to Christ and don't know how to live together as a family. Locally, he's been working at Young Life of Brandon. I'm um, on the board of directors at Young Life. A couple of years ago, we had 40 teens come to Christ, and we didn't know what to do with them. We didn't have enough adult volunteers to, to minister to them uh, in, a, in a meaningful way. What we ended up doing with these, the bulk of these 40 uh, teens that came to Christ is we enfolded them in, in one church, and our uh, young life leader resigned to then become the youth pastor at that church. That church went from a few youth to a suddenly uh, an overflowing youth group. But we didn't have enough uh, adult volunteers to minister to these kids. We lost our Young Life uh, staff person because she went on staff with this church to continue ministering to these students. So we struggled to find a leader since, but in the last few weeks uh, we've turned the corner. And uh, we're going to be looking for spiritually mature adults to serve on the board and also to mentor these teens as we uh, start the, the ministry in earnest uh, to these teens next fall. We have Daniel Wadimba here with us this morning. As, I'm, as I was thinking about the, the gospel being on the move, God is working in Africa. Europe and America have all but rejected Christ in terms of the culture. Um, Jesus, being relentless, has kept... He's still on the move. He's been been to Africa. He is still working there. He's working in in, uh, certain countries, in parts of Asia. Daniel, can I ask you, is God moving in Africa? And we are... We are, tend to be stuffy mazungus, uh, but uh, you can stand up. I would love for you to take a couple of moments and share a testimony of God working in Africa, if, if I might put you on the spot. And again, I did not warn you, because I wanted to hear from your heart. Yes, and, um, I really think that there is a sense of the reality of the existence of God in Africa in people depending on God and understanding that we are created in the image of God and when we get out we change to marketplaces, we take the gospel in such a response in schools, in prisons and when people turn their lives to God, it's real, they are not just trying to act and you can tell that when you go to our churches, people know they have come to worship God, not to just come to church. There is a very big difference. And the sense of not taking God for granted is more real among us our people than over here. And it's amazing that we see the extreme blessing over here. And people are walking out from God. And then we come to Africa where people don't seem to Yes, so to say, they are kind of going towards God. And that's why it's the yes, we get the connections. And I think we really need to pray 
la trascendenza non solo con la Chiesa, ma 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 con And I need people stand and debate and, and to stand against the evils of the world that must be the homosexuality in Mexico. And people are really strong against all such and it's amazing what that is going to happen. And I think we can take this to do how to understand the cost of them from here to Africa. Then how can we take the government free to Africa? It's not. When I went to Africa, I've been twice to Uganda, and I was a young college student, and I would stand up and preach the gospel, and all of a sudden, these people start walking forward and say, we want to know Christ, and I'd say, you know, and my experience is America, and I'm going, do you really? <laughs> and I would, I would spend time with each individual and say, you need to count the cost, and I would try and talk them out of a relationship with Christ. Not really, but I would really press them. Are you willing to count the cost? And it was amazing to see that their faith was so real as they were coming to Christ and and would be undeterred. And we don't have have that sense here in America. We, we lose the focus of the power of the gospel because we don't see that. Rather, we see the opposition. I need to move on, but do you get it? The, the gospel is always on the move. There is no amount of fierce opposition that can, that can stop it. There is no, um, there's nothing that can stop it. Not opposition, not ignorance. And that's our second and final point. The gospel moves forward in spite of ignorance. Listen to verses 47 through 49. Paul said, after he said, we're turning away from the Jews to the Gentiles, he said, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made a light, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. There's something remarkable here that I I don't want you to overlook because it's real easy to overlook. And that is the Jews were in a much more favorable position to receive Christ than the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles in their hearts were just as opposed to God as the Jews were. But the Jews had access to the Scriptures. They had read about the, about the Scriptures. They had read the promises. The Gentiles, they were just ignorant of the Gospel. Now, some of them were God-fearing Gentiles, uh, but it says here in verse 44 that it wasn't just the Gentiles attending the synagogue who were gathered there. It was the whole city that had come to hear Paul and Barnabas speak. Yet look at the result in verse 48 and 49. 
the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And then the word of God, those people then turned into ambassadors and started going out throughout the entire countryside, throughout the, the whole region around um, uh, Pisidian Antioch and preaching the gospel. Do you know where you encounter these people that became Christians elsewhere in the Bible? A little trivia here. This, this area of city in Antioch, including Perga where they had preached uh, earlier, and also Iconium where we'll see next uh, or in a couple of weeks, and Derby. Well, these cities are, make up the region of Galatia. These people who came to Christ were the recipients of Paul's letter to the Galatians. This is the district of Galatia that he's ministering in. But why did they come to Christ when the Jews did not? Well, verse 48 tells us. Listen closely. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. This word appointed uh, is translated from the Greek word tasso, which is typically translated ordain. And what happened was that the gospel, as Paul and Barnabas preached, the gospel harvested all those who had been appointed or ordained for eternal life while the gospel was being proclaimed by Paul and Barnabas, in spite of the mockery out in the crowd, all those who were appointed for eternal life believed. I love what Terry Johnson says about this passage of Scripture. He said, If we need a renewed confidence in the Word of God... It is this text that will help give it. Paul did not have to resort to gimmicks. He didn't have to conduct a three-ring circus, give out door prizes, or have the gospel seals perform. I don't know what a gospel seal is. Next time I see Terry, I'm going to ask him if, if he's ever seen a gospel seal perform. But we don't have to have a light show or anything else. All he did was preach the gospel and God's Spirit brought out a crowd, brought about conversions, changed lives, established a church, and sent out ambassadors into the surrounding area. Those whom God has appointed for eternal life are out there. They are out there. They have been appointed for eternal life and God is waiting for us to go and harvest them by the power of the gospel. Are we going to be faithful enough to open our mouths and talk about our Savior Jesus? Jesus Christ left heaven and He took on human flesh being born of a virgin with the specific purpose of coming to seek and to save the lost. And to secure their salvation, He died on that awful cross, and He was resurrected for their justification. If He did this, do you think He will ever let His gospel lose His power? Do you think He will ever let His gospel become irrelevant? Of course not. But the question for us this morning is do we believe that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all those who believe? Let's pray together. Almighty God, 
as we have seen the power of the gospel at work here in the text before us. So I pray that the power of the gospel would be at work in our own hearts right now and help us to believe that if Jesus died, that He will gather His elect and He will use His ambassadors to open their mouths and faithfully proclaim Him. Help us, our God, to go out and harvest those who are in our community, who are lost, yet who are in your heart from all eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.